Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Two things we are looking at in the beginning. Number one, the portrait of God that we see in the first and second book of Genesis. Number two, we are looking at man's creation in the image of God and as the image of God. And we have seen that since humanity was created in the image of God, it is important for us that we understand the portrait, the revelation of God that we see in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. Human vocation is modeled on the nature and the actions of the God that is portrayed for us in these two opening book or opening chapter of the book of Genesis. Also, this portrait of God in Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 2 is actually the foundation, is the pattern for the character of God that is then revealed to us in the rest of the Bible. One of the things we saw that the God that is revealed to us on the opening chapter of the Bible is a king. A cosmic ruler is not just a cosmic ruler, it's a cosmic ruler of harmonious, well-functioning earth. This God that is portrayed for us in the first book of first chapter of the book of Genesis is a God that is immensely powerful and has this power to command and things to be created. And it is to this God that the Bible says that man was created after his image and after his likeness. Okay. Now, it is very, very important to understand this. Unfortunately, though, our na- notion of God as a king can be easily misunderstood by contemporary readers of the Bible. Why? Because our notions of royalty and kingship can be colored by our experiences, by our contemporary experiences of human monarchy. We've had monarchy, we have rulers who have exercised power in cruel and oppressive way, what people call despotism. And we have rulers and monarchy that have abused privileges and oftentimes kingship and royalty is often just associated with superficial pomp and ceremony. Today, most monarchy, there are very few monarchy and there are very few royalty in the world today. Even in few places where you still have monarchy and royalty, like in Britain, for example, they have been reduced more or less to figure. They have been reduced more or less to the pomp and the ceremony. They have essentially become ceremonial royalty. So, unfortunately, when we talk about God as king, we contemporary readers of the Bible, we have lost something of what we are saying when we talk about the fact that God is king. Definitely, God is not a despotic king. He's not a king that exercises power in cruel and oppressive way. God is not a God that is a king in the sense of abusing privileges. Definitely, the kingship and the royalty of God is not just about pomp and ceremony. We have to ask ourselves what manner of king God is. The Bible tells us that the heart belongs to God. If we read the book of Psalm, Psalm 24, and we are going to read verse 1, Psalm 24, verse 1, the Bible says, The heart is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, 
the world and they that dwell in it. God owns the earth. Let's read Daniel chapter 4 verse 35 and we're also going to read Exodus chapter 9 verse 29. Now the reason why I want to read these two areas is number one to establish once again that this earth belongs to God. God is king of the earth. We've read in that Psalm 24 that says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it. God is king by the reason of creation. And we've seen the connection between God's reality and God's creation the last time. I'm not going to go back to that. But I want to look at the story of Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh, who in their respective cases were the ruling king and emperor of their time. And both of them had an encounter and experience with this God who we are talking about. And we, here we are going to see their testimony. Okay, the conclusion as it were, the things that came out about the kingship of God. In Daniel chapter 4, this was after the experience of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar himself said this. He said, and all the inhabitants of the heart are repeated as nothing. And God doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Now, this is kingship. Now we need to understand that in the in the time of the Bible, this is kingship. This is what Nebuchadnezzar was talking about. Obviously, this is the problem when people then get a little bit restless when we talk about king because we have we are, history is littered with kings and monarchy and royalty that actually are despotic and use their power to oppress and abuse their privileges. But the Bible does say that God is king, and like Nebuchadnezzar was talking to us about here in the Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. And by the way, Nebuchadnezzar didn't come to this conclusion easily. There was an experience that brought him to this conclusion. He said, all the inhabitants of earth are reputed as nothing. God is king. And God doeth according to his will in the armies of of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him what doest thou does that mean that this god that is king does that mean then that is despotic that he uses his power to oppress and to suppress and to manipulate the answer of the scripture is no and we are going to look at that in a bit more but this is what it means to mean to say that god is king but let's read the the book of Exodus chapter 9 verse 29 now. This, where we are going to read is actually the tail end of an event. You remember that God sent Moses back to Pharaoh and Pharaoh was, was the man. He was the king. He was the ruler of the world and those days. And he told Moses, who is that God? I don't know him. I'm not going to allow the children of Israel to go. And then Moses started by the instruction of God, started this plague in in the land of Pharaoh now. We are going to read an incident that happened after the seventh plague, after God has sent hell onto the land. And Pharaoh capitulated and said, look, look, I'm seen, I'm seen I'm wicked and my people don't kill us. Just pray to God to get this thing out of the land. Moses told him, I know after I've done it, you will not repent. But there's something that Moses said unto Pharaoh that is very, very important to what we are doing here today. So Exodus chapter 9, verses 20, verse 29. Exodus chapter 9, verse 29. This is what Moses said unto Pharaoh. 
And Moses said unto him, that's unto Pharaoh, as soon as I am gone out of the city, this is important, I will spread abroad my hand unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know that the heart is the Lord's, that thou mayest know that the heart is the Lord. That this is the conclusion, this is the, this is the final lesson that all this was supposed to teach Pharaoh, that Pharaoh will know that the heart is the Lord. Just the same lesson that the biggest and the baddest king in the time of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he came to learn that. And we need to understand that this is the sense in which God is king. That he is king of kings. No man, no, no, no senate seat to, to vote him in or vote him out. And nobody seat to vote and, and, and vote according, you know, with respect to his will, whether his will should be done or not. But the interesting thing about this is that this God that has all the power, like the Lord Jesus said, that all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. This God that has all the power, then is the God that is revealed to us in the first few pages of the scripture, is the God that is king. But one of the things that we saw is that Genesis chapter 1 was careful to paint for us the type of king that God is. Even though he's God that has all the power, even though he's God with whom nothing shall be impossible, even though he's God that is almighty, Elohim, the one that spoke and it was made to pass, even though he's the God with whom Nothing shall be impossible. Genesis chapter 1 was very, very careful for us to paint a picture of the kind of king that God is. God spoke the creation into being, but it was not chaotic, it was not haphazard, it was not disorderly. We see God the king investing, planning, designing, constructing, assessing, and taking pleasure in the creation. This God that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 1. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, is a creator God that constructed the world heartfully. It's a God that thought out, is a plan to benefit his creature. What we see in Genesis chapter 1 is a well thought out plan by God. It's not a God that just do anything anyhow. It's not a God that is disorderly. It's not a God that is oppressive that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 2 is a God that actually have the benefit of his creature in mind. It's a God that created a magnificent, a beautiful, a coherent, and a harmonious world. In other words, what we see in Genesis chapter 1 is a God who is a wise artisan, who is attentive to detail of his craft, and who is pleased, who has pleasure with every stages of the process of his creation. His creation gives him pleasure. And that is the God that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 1. You know what brought us here is the fact that the very thought and the very concept of kingship and reality of God may bring bad memory or may be tainted by bad, you know, reality of history about despotic kings and rulers of human world. Or, or we may not understand the glory or the reality of kingship because a lot of what we know about monarchy today are really shadowed. You know, empty shadow of what real king is and what real kingdom are. But this is the God in whose image and as whose 
image, man was created. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God of Genesis. And this is the God that humanity was created in his image. This is the God that humanity was created as his image, the God that is king. Humanity is created like this God, with special role to representing and imaging God's rule on earth. This is the God we were created after. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Radar, that's dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created in them, verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and kabash it, or, and subdue it, and have radar, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moved upon the earth. When God created man in his own image, in the image of God that is king, we have these three observations that were associated with that creation of man in God's image. And these three words that are associated with this creation of man help us to break into what it means for man and woman, for humanity to be created in the image of God. Number one, the image is associated with God speaking in the first person plural. Let us create. There was a divine cancel. We have already looked at that. Also, we saw that in this creation, the creation of humanity in the image of God was associated with the creation of humanity as male and female. Again, we've looked at that, that both male and female equally are created in the image of God. Number three thing that this is associated with in that portion of the scripture that we've read is the fact that the creation of man in the image of God was associated with the exercise of human power over the non-human world. And this is where we are at the moment, is the association between man being created in the image of God and man having dominion. And the word that is used for dominion in the Hebrew Bible is that word that we've read, that I've mentioned while I was reading that scripture, is the word radar. Radar. And the word radar is often linked with kingship in the Old Testament. It is used along with Hebrew word like malak, which is to reign, and masah, which is to govern. And it describes characteristically royal activity. So the word radar essentially means to rule, to reign. So man was created in the image of God so that he can rule as king. That word radar is linked with kingship. So the same, you know, this is why we took time to look at the portrait of God that was given us in these first two chapters. It is a God that has a kingdom, that is a king, and man is created in his image. Since the God whose image man bears, humanity bears, is king, man was created in his image as king to have dominion, to radar, remember, to rule, to reign. And that word, radar, is also used of the rule of a king or other political leaders. So when you read 1 Kings 4, verse 24, Psalm 72, verse 8, Psalm 110, verse 2, Isaiah 14, verse 6, you will come across that word again, radar. And it is used of the rule of a king 
or other political leaders. And that is the word that the Holy Spirit used for man or for the woman or for humanity when God created him and when God created her. Man and woman were created to reign as king in subjection as a deputy under God. Hallelujah. As a vassal king under God. And that is the way God has made it to be. And when we read Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 4, Ezekiel also used that word radar, but it was used in the context of the metaphor of shepherding. So a radar, a king is a shepherd. And that is the image of God that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 1. We are like sheep and we see that type of illustration for Israel and for the church of God throughout the scripture. So the word radar also means a shepherd. It was also used in that context. And the word shepherd actually was a standard image for a king in ancient Near East. A king is a shepherd. A king is a, yeah, the king bear rule, don't misunderstand me. But if you are a good citizen of the land, you do not see the wrath of the king. You do not see the anger of the king. If you are a good citizen, obedient citizen of the king, what you experience is actually the king as a shepherd. And that was a standard image for a king in ancient Near East. That is the picture of God that we see in Genesis. And that is the picture of the man that was created, the woman that was created in the image of God. And God set them over his creation on earth. Now, we need to look at the word kabash. You remember when we read that place, he said in verse 28, and God blessed them, that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So, dominion was used alongside kabash to subdue here in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Kabash expresses the general idea of bringing something or someone under control by the exercise of power. It does not primarily necessarily have to involve the use of force or subjugation or contest. Now, that may be necessary and that will become necessary when the world then went into rebellion. But the word actually to subdue in its primary meaning, essentially express the idea of bringing something or someone under the control, under control by exercise of power. That exercise of power may be by conquest, by subjugation, if that subject is coming out of control, or it could be just plainly through, 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 through the use of administration, okay, through the use of administration and organization and management. The most important thing is that you are using power, you are using dominion, you are using power and authority to do government. Now, for those who are rebellious, they will experience conquest, subjugation. For, but for the citizen that are law-abiding, is all about the king's administration and management to bring the will of God to pass all for the peace and well-being of his people. And that is the picture of God and that is the picture of humanity, the man and the woman that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 1. So let's read Psalm 8 verse 6. Thou make, made destined to have dominion over the works of their hand. 
and thou put all things under his faith. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Psalm 8 verse 6 says that God makes humanity, the man and the woman, to have dominion over the works of his hand. God put everything under his feet. Just like we read when we talk about Nebuchadnezzar and when we talk about Pharaoh a few moments ago, that everything is under his feet because God is the overlord, is the king of heaven, is the king of earth. That is our God. And the same way God, man, and the woman is mirroring God in this creation, in this earthly creation, God has put all things under his feet. But Micah chapter 6 then tells us the nature of this dominion that God has given to man. He said, what is good? He has shown the old man what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with their God? Because that is the government of God. It's, it's a government of righteousness. It's a government of mercy. It's a government of justice. It's a government of humility. And that is the dominion that God has given his man. Man's dominion was authorized power granted him by God to share in God's rule and administration of the earth. It is man's God-given ability to rule and to govern the world on behalf of God. But humanity's dominion is therefore derived, it's not inherent. And man, the man and the woman, they, they exercise dominion as God's deputy, as God's vice-regent, as God's vice-king. But most importantly, and this is very, very important for us to understand, is that like God, humanity must rule in righteousness. For the good of the earth. Because that is the nature of the dominion of God that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Man ruled as a steward, not as a owner. Man ruled the earth on God's behalf. Man, when I say man, humanity, the man and the woman, they are accountable to God. They rule as a manager under God who is the chief executive officer. But just like God, humanity must rule in righteousness for the good of the earth. So in summary, man's dominion is a righteous, responsible, and accountable dominion. I will say that again. In summary, the man and the woman are to rule in a way that is righteous, that is responsible, and that is accountable. Their, their, their dominion is a righteous, responsible, and accountable dominion. Because this is what we see in the dominion and in the kingdom and in the kingship of God, whose man and the woman has come to be an image of. I think we are going to stop there, but this is the God that loves you, that does not want you to perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The, God, the world that God created in the beginning went into rebellion. But God did not give up. He gave us a way out because he's always working for our good. But those people that rebel, that will not come to the right side of God, they will experience his wrath. They will experience his judgment. But you don't have to. This world is under judgment. This world has rebelled big time against God. But he has given us 
those people that want, he has given us a way of escape, and that way is in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can come to him today. You can confess your rebellion and say, I'm tired of being a rebel. I want to come to your camp. You can invite Jesus Christ into your life, confess your sin, ask him to come and be your savior. He will come in. He will save you. It will take the rebel, rebel heart out of you, give you a heart of flesh, a heart of a son of a daughter, and take you home and you will become a citizen of his kingdom. You will become a member of his family. You will walk the rest of your life with you on earth, helping, you know, building you, growing you, equipping you. And when this is all over, you will be able to spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it today. Tomorrow may be too late. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.